Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Today we are going to finish our fearful series. This will be the third week and the finale of this teaching about the fear of the Lord. How many of you have been learning stuff about the fear of the Lord over the past few weeks? It's been good. It's been challenging. I know that my life has been changed, and I hope and pray that your life has been changed as well as we've learned about this. What I want us to do today, we're, we're being extra active today. I want to ask you to just stand back up one more time. Let's get back up on our feet. And we're going to throw a couple of scriptures up here on the screen. These are some scriptures we've read <clears throat> again and again, and we're going to read them again together today. As I read it, when I get to a word that is in all caps, I want you to shout it out, all right? Are we ready? This is Psalm chapter 86, Psalm 86, 11. Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear, fear your name. I guess we could have shouted Lord too, but that wasn't on purpose. All right. Unite my heart to fear your name. Philippians 2, 12. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and Fear. Oh my goodness. You want one more? We haven't read this one yet. This is a new one for today. We've already read those two a couple of times. You ready for one more today? All right, let's do this one. This is 1 Peter 1.17. And remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residence. All right, you can sit back down. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Reverent fear. We've learned <clears throat> about the fear of God. Again, this is the third week on this. And we've learned that the fear of God is something that is often understood, overlooked, explained away. But it is. Inevitable. In order to have a true relationship with God, we must have the fear of God. What is the fear of God? We've learned that it is reverent respect, right? Reverent respect. It is the fear of offending God. It means that we fear the consequences of sin, right? It doesn't mean we're scared of God. It means we're scared of being without God. It doesn't mean I'm scared so I run away. It means I respect him so much and I recognize my desperate need for him that I run close to him. The fear of God is not being afraid of God. It's being afraid of being far from God, right? The fear of God doesn't push us away from God. The fear of God draws us unto God, close to God. And we learned that in a nutshell, to fear God means that we treat God like God. That we treat Almighty God for who He is. Not just a religion, not just a church service, not just someone that we cry out to when we need help. But we realize and we recognize and we live our lives with the understanding that Almighty God is Almighty God and we are to treat Him as Almighty God, right? That's the fear of God. The first week, 
we talked about being fearless, about how this generation has just seemed to totally kind of lose the fear of God. And when I say this generation, I don't just mean the world. And if you take a look at what's going on around us in the world, watch the news or just watch the way people live their lives. It's people live like God isn't even there. There's no fear of God. But the most unfortunate thing is it looks like that in the church oftentimes too. We talk about a God that we act like isn't there. And we say God is here, but often we don't treat him like he's here, right? In the first week, we talked about rediscovering and recovering the fear of God as the people of God. And then last Sunday, we learned about the fear factor, right? What does the fear of God accomplish in our lives? What does the fear of God produce? And we learned about that last Sunday. Today, we're going to kind of switch gears a little bit because we're going to talk today about being fear-free. Tell your neighbor, you need to be fear-free. That almost seems like a contradiction because we've been talking about being fearful, right? Not just fearful, but being fearful. We want to live our lives full of the fear of God. We've prayed again and again. Unite our hearts to fear you. We want everything in us, every part of me to fear you, God. But today we're going to talk about being fear-free, as in free from the wrong kind of fear, all right? It's time to get fear-free because there is so much fear fear today so much fear it's like a plague this generation is just full of fears all sorts of fears so much so that we've even given like a medical name to it in this generation right what is it called anxiety disorder right or we always talk about having anxiety attacks right now in no way am I downplaying that am I saying it's not real it's very real it's very real, but we need to go to the root of that. The reality is, maybe this doesn't explain 100% of anxiety, but I bet it explains about 99% of it. Most anxiety simply is the result of a fear that's out of control. How many of us know it's normal to fear things, right? It's normal to fear things. Some fears are actually good, like I fear standing too close to a ledge, right? But when fear, instead of you possessing fear and having control over it, when it possesses you and has control over you, that produces a disorder in our soul. And we call it anxiety disorder. A lot of the times, if you can think, if you've ever, I don't want you to raise your hand, but who here has ever had a panic attack or anxiety attack? Okay. Well, if you really think about why, you were probably terrified of something. You are afraid of something that was either out of your control or something that you didn't know what was going to happen or how things were going to turn out. And you were just scared and it produced this panic or this anxiety. And see, a lot of this is because of insecurities. Okay, And a lot of the insecurities of this generation can be attributed or traced back. It's not the only thing. But even non-Christian Social science studies can trace back why is this generation, and I'm speaking very much for our, our nation, right, so insecure and so fearful and so full of anxiety. There are many reasons, but one of the main reasons 
And even secular social science says it's the main reason. It is the absence or distance of a father. Insecurity and anxiety many times can be traced back today. And I want to tell you that if you grew up in a broken relationship with your father, that can produce a lot of fear. But let me tell you something. The worst fears come when we live our lives in a broken relationship with God the Father. When we don't truly have a relationship with God, not just as God, but as Father. If I have a relationship with God as Father and I fear Him in the right way, I can be free from the wrong fears. All right? Bear with me. We're going to get to this. I, 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 I just kind of wrote down, this is my Father's Day thesis. Are you ready? In honor of Father's Day, this is my thesis today. When I, li- when I live in proper relationship with my Father, founded on the fear of the Lord, I can live boldly and confidently, free from bad fear. And dads, let me just say, If you can live a life of example of the fear of the Lord before your children, dads, if you can live a life of example as a man who fears God, you have no idea how secure that will make them feel. To have a father who fears the father creates great security in the lives of his children. And so today, again, I'm not just talking to dads, but I just wanted to throw that out there to you, dads. There's a lot you can give your kids, but an example of a man who fears God is quite possibly the greatest gift you could give them. Because if you can show them what it's like to fear God and therefore not be afraid of anything else, you'll raise them to not be afraid of anything else. Amen? All right. Everybody say fear free. We need to be delivered from the fear of the wrong things. And I guess we could just boil it down. I think this is your first phrase there in your outline. If you want to open up your, outline, uh, up your bulletin, I'm sorry. On the inside there is an outline that will help you follow along. The first statement is, good fear sets me free from bad fear. Good fear sets me free from bad fear. When I fear the right thing... The fear of God, right? When I live my life fear with the right kind of fear, then I, it helps me to live a life free from the wrong kinds of fear. Now, 2 Timothy 1.7, I love the fact that the man who wrote this was the Apostle Paul writing to whom he called his son, Timothy. The Apostle Paul was like a spiritual father. And in many ways, history says that Paul kind of took over the role of of dad in Timothy's life. And this is what he told Timothy. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. See, the right kind of fear, the fear of God, will help me be free from the wrong kind of fear. You want to... Know what you can be free from by the fear of God? Today I'm going to give you five bad fears. Are you ready? These are five bad fears that the good fear can set you free from. And the first one is the fear 
of man, freedom from the fear of man. And if you're saying, man, this is the third time he's talked about this, it sure is. But I feel like it's something God is speaking so strongly. And I've even heard many of you reflect on this. After the first two weeks, we've talked about the fear of man. And I can tell it's a big deal in many of our lives. So the fear of God can set us free from the fear of man. What does it say here in Proverbs 29, 25? It says, fearing people. We got it? Proverbs 29, 25. We don't have it. Uh-oh. Well, write it down. Proverbs 29, 25 says, Fearing people is a dangerous trap. Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. Again, third week in a row, but the fear of God displaces the fear of man. How is that? When I am obsessed with God's opinion of me, I will be free from other people's opinion of me. When I care more about God's opinion of me than anything else, other people's opinion of me will not control me. When I allow God's opinion of me to control me, I'm set free from the control of other people. Let me tell you, in the end when all is said and done, we're going to stand before God. And we're not going to be asked what everybody thought of us. We're going to stand before him. And as we read earlier, we're going to be judged by him. By him. Come on, did you, let that get in your heart today. We're going to give an account to him for everything we've ever done, for everything we've ever said, for the way we lived our life. And if I live my life with that reality that he is watching me all the time, and not only that, he is with me, I'll live a life that's free from the bindings and the chains of what everybody else's opinion is about me. Again, third time, but Luke 12, 4 and 5, dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot do any more with you after that. I'll tell you whom to fear. Fear God who has the power to kill you and then throw you into hell. Yes, he's the one to fear. That isn't necessarily the most good feeling scripture, but let me tell you, it ought to make you feel good if you fear God. Because if you know who your God is, you won't be scared of anybody. See, Jesus was extremely bold. He was free from the opinions of other people because he lived totally aware of the Father's opinion of him. You cannot know your true identity if you don't know who God the Father is. Identity, our identity is wrapped up in knowing who God the Father is. You've got to know your Father to know who you are. You guys all right? If I am to truly know who I really, really am, I've got to know my Father who made me. And Jesus was so highly aware and confident of his own identity. That's why he was so bold. You know what else Jesus knew? He knew that people's Authority or people's power didn't really mean all that much. So that's how he lived. 
He lived to please one, the Father. And today that is what God is calling you to, to live your life, to totally please Him. And if you live that way, you'll be free from the dangerous trap that we just read in Proverbs. You know, I believe that despite all of the ridicule and the rejection and the persecution of the first Christians, I believe they were so bold because they were free from the fear of people. And why were they fear of... Why were they free from the fear of people? Because they had an encounter with the fear of God. The fear of God will set you free from the fear of man. What else will the fear of God set you free from? Are you ready for this one? Number two, freedom from the fear of death. Freedom from the fear of death. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood. The Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he, what? Die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We just sang about it. We just sang about it, right? No longer slaves to fear. One of the greatest things that all humanity does fear is death. Right? And if you've never thought about it, you ought to. Because we're all going to die. Every one of us, at some point, will leave this body... And go into eternity. People live their lives trying not to die, right? I mean, (laughs) that's what all medicine is about. That's what being careful is all about, right? That's why we take safety measures. We're just trying not to die, right? All right, everybody, lighten up. Tell your neighbor, try not to die. It got real heavy up in here. And let me just make it clear. Without Jesus, you ought to fear death. If it weren't for the gospel of Jesus Christ, I would be terrified of death. But as a Jesus follower, as someone who understands that Jesus came to rescue me from my sins, to set me free, and he took away the power of the devil, which was death, I don't fear death anymore. Why? Why can you be free from the fear of death? Because if you are a Jesus follower, you understand something, and it is this. Death is not the end. It isn't. In fact, death is just the beginning. It's like a doorway into the fullness of victory. Now, if you have not received the forgiveness of your sins, if you are living a life far from God, outside of relationship with God, if you have not repented of your sins and made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, fear death by all means. But if you have... 
Stop looking at death. It's something to be avoided. Now, don't, okay, bear with me. I'm not saying go out there unless I'll try to die. Live as long as you can for the Lord. But understand this. One day, it's all going to be over. And when it's all over, we've just begun. Jesus turned, the Bible says he took away the stinger. Anybody ever been stung by a wasp or a bee? Whoo, doesn't it feel good to get that thing out of you? What's the stinger of sin? You can't pull it out yourself. If I allow sin to control my life, I will be stung and it'll be all over. But if I allow Jesus, the one who removed the stinger, he took away the authority of death from the devil. If I come to him and allow him to remove the stinger, not only is the stinger gone, but all the poison that goes along with it. See, I don't have to live my life in fear of death because I understand I'm going to die. And when I do, I've just begun. It's the doorway into the fullness of victory. I don't fear death because the Father raised Jesus from the dead. And guess what? He's going to raise me too. Because the Father raised Jesus from the dead, he's going to raise me too because I'm in Jesus. And if you are in Christ, instead of looking at death as the end and being afraid of death, you ought to look at death as not so much like I'm ready to die, but when I do die, it's going to be the greatest victory ever. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. How could Paul say that? It's better to die, he said, because he understood that on the other side of death was a life way better than this life. And if I fear God and I have a relationship with God as my father through Jesus Christ, I don't have to be afraid of death anymore. You can be free from the fear of death. What is the other thing? What else can we be free from? Just because, but before I move into this one, if you've not been born again, today is your day to be born again. If you still live your life afraid of, of death, today is your day to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord, to repent of your sins, to turn away from sin, to let him wash you and forgive you and give you a brand new life. Today is your day. And also the fear of God, number three, sets me free from the, free, uh, from the fear of failure. The fear of failure. Oh, my goodness. You know, when I take a look, especially like at this younger generation, a lot of anxiety is because they are afraid of failing. There's such anxiety because I fear failing, right? It's a plague. But I want to ask you something today, and I want you to really take this to heart. What is success anyway? What, what is your definition of success anyway? 
If there's such a fear of failure, how are you even defining success? I've noticed that most people define success totally wrong. A lot of times, the fear of failure, like, causes us to shy away from attempting things, right? Because what if I can't do it, right? Or, or to get started on something and to realize, what if I can't finish well? And you just kind of stop. And, I mean, this is such a plague. People just doing things halfway. And, 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 and yes, sometimes it's because of laziness. But sometimes we stop doing things halfway there because we're afraid we won't be able to finish it well. We're afraid of failing, right? But let me tell you an even greater way, an even more subtle way that the fear of failure manifests itself. And it's called comparison. Comparison or comparing yourself to others is just a manifestation of your fear of failure. Because, what? okay, bear with me on this one. Sometimes we look at less than as failure. What do I mean by that? If I am not as good as him... Or you're not as talented as her. Why even try? Because in the end, I'm just going to be less than them. So I've, it's, and we think that being less talented than somebody else or not doing something as well as they do it means failure. Nothing could be further from the truth. Last time I checked, you're you and they're them. And if you're not doing your best because you might be less than them, you're not being who God created you to be. Listen, please, especially you younger people, embrace this. Success doesn't mean being the best. You will not be the best. There will always be somebody better than you. Come on, I can tell you as a pastor of a church we planted five years ago and we don't have 10,000 people yet. Why are y'all looking at me like that? <laughs> you read stories of how great this guy did this and how awesome this lady did that. And you look at it and you compare your talent to theirs or what you've been able to accomplish to, compared to what they've been able to accomplish. And because it's less than, we interpret less than as failure. That's not failure. You know what failure is? Not doing anything. If you're not doing anything because you're afraid you're less than, then you're failing. Don't let comparison steal your success. It is ignorant and foolish to compare ourselves to one another. 2 Corinthians 10, 12. Why are y'all so quiet today? Lord, have mercy. Oh, don't worry. I love it. He's being sarcastic. Okay. Did you know that there's some sarcasm in the Bible? All right, let's read. I want you to read it like that because he's being sarcastic, all right? Don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these men, these other men, who tell you how important they are. But they're only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. How ignorant. It's ignorant. It's foolish. 
to define success by how you measure up to somebody else. In fact, that will keep you from success. Because listen, all right, newsflash. If you become like that other person, that wasn't success. You're supposed to become like you. I've met people that they were so possessed by this. They tried their hardest to become like that great other person that they thought was so great. And you know what? They became like that other person. And it wasn't all that it was wrapped up to be. In the end, that wasn't who they were supposed to be. That wasn't what they were supposed to do. If I can't measure up to him, why should I even try? I've even heard that come out of people's mouths. If I can't do it as good as them, why even do it at all? Let's just let them do it. Answer that question. The reality is this. If I don't measure up to Jesus... I'm failing. I can measure up to Matt. And I can get just as good as he is at selling cars. I can become just as good as a, a, a dad as he is. Just as good of a husband as he is. And in the end, I might feel pretty good about myself. If I can work hard and eventually sing as good as RJ. And then I don't measure up to Jesus. And it won't matter one bit how good I got compared to anybody else. Galatians 6.4 says, pay Careful attention to your own work. For then you'll get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. God has created you and given you a specific work to do. And he calls you to thrust yourself completely into your own work. And to do your very best at that thing he's given you to do. Regardless of what those around you do, regardless of if the person right next to you, if your best friend is doing the same thing you're doing and they're doing it better, you know what? Let them inspire you, but do not compare yourself to them. Focus on the thing he's put in your life for you to do. For only then are you going to be satisfied. In the end... If I focus on what you're doing and I do my best to do it like you do and then I don't do what I was supposed to do, I'm not going to be satisfied. If I live my life to compare, I will totally miss out on true success. The fear of God helps us to have the proper perspective on success, right? Just, I want you to chew on this one, all right? So let this, just let this sink in today. Psalm 139.14 says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of your father. So let's go back. What is success anyway? 
If I'm made fearfully and wonderfully in his image, what is success? To reflect his image well. That's what success is. True success is obedience to the Father and reflecting his image well. True success is doing exactly what the Father asks you to do, nothing more and nothing less. And if you live your life in the fear of God, you won't have to live your life comparing yourself to other people because you'll know what he expects of you. Amen? Are you guys okay? Number four, freedom from the fear of shaking. Everybody shake just a little bit. All right. It's all right. We're Pentecostal in here. You can shake just a little bit. All right. Making sure you're awake. Shaking? The fear of shaking? What, what do I mean by this? Well, the Bible talks about shaking. And, and there's kind of a negative connotation to it. Like, what happens when you're scared? Right? You tremble. You shake. Right? Hebrews 12 talks about a reality, and that is, I don't know if you've realized it yet, but things shake in life. It's unavoidable. Things are going to shake. Things that even yesterday were sturdy and strong, just like that, could shake, can get out of hand. Hebrews 12, 26, when God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I'll shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed. So that only unshakable things will remain. Since you are receiving, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with what? Holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring Again, everything shakes. Now, this is also a big part of anxiety. People live with this thing about, well, if tomorrow everything just gets out of hand. A.K.A., what if tomorrow things start shaking? Have you ever visited a part of the world where there are earthquakes? Okay, I have. And I'll be honest. Laying in the bed, you know, lying in the bed in the hotel at night, just wondering, I hope we don't start shaking, rattling, and rolling here in just a minute. I hope not to be awakened by an earthquake, okay? But that's a natural thing. How often do we live our lives like we lay our head on the pillow at night, and all we can think about is tomorrow, what if I get sick? Tomorrow, what if my mom gets sick? What if my child gets sick? Tomorrow, what if my bank account overdrafts? Tomorrow, tomorrow, what if my wife leaves me? My best friend disowns me? My kids rebel? What if tomorrow I lose my own good health? What if tomorrow I wake up? And today I'm perfectly fine, but tomorrow, I don't know, I have a heart attack. God forbid tomorrow I get a doctor's report that gives me a cancer or some sort of disease diagnosis. What if 
And I go to sleep, and in the middle of the night, I get a bad phone call. That's the fear of shaking. Why do we fear shaking? Because things shake. Things in this life shake. Relationships shake. Health shakes. Finances, they shake. Come on, somebody. Circumstances, sometimes they change tomorrow. Things just shake, and everything the Bible says that can be shaken, it's going to shake. Why? So that the only thing that is unshakable can be revealed. I don't like it when my health shakes. I don't like it when my family gets sick. I don't like it when I'm running out of money. I don't like it when people do weird things, and it's like, wow, well, so much for that relationship. I don't like it, but guess what? When those things do happen, there is one thing I am able to stand firm on, and there is nothing that can shake him. And that is my Father in heaven. He's unshakable, and his word says that his kingdom is unshakable. And you and I, we're part of that kingdom. Confidence, listen, to live a life that's like confident, right? doesn't come from everything always being safe and secure. Because everything won't always be safe and secure. Just bet your bottom dollar on it. Something's going to shake. Confidence come from, comes from knowing that things definitely will shake and that in the end, I'll remain standing. Right? Confidence comes from knowing what Jesus said, the storms, the wind, the waves, they will come. They will come. You will go through things that cause it you to shake and everything around you to shake. But if your life is built on obedience to God's word, if your life is built on the fear of God, after everything's shake, guess who's going to be standing? You are. We can live free from the fear of shaking by just saying, I know things are going to shake. And after everything shake, I'm going to be all right. Come on, tell your neighbor, you're going to be all right. If you fear the Lord. Number five, freedom. This goes along with what I just said, but number five is freedom from the fear of the unknown. See, going back to the very beginning, anxiety is not being able to know what's going to happen or be able to control what's going to happen. That's Basically what anxiety boils down to. I don't know what's going to happen. And whatever happens, I can't control it. <gasps> so I feel anxious about it, right? I want you to just chew on this as we get ready to close. 1 John 4, 17 and 18. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love. What love? God's love. The Father's love. It says such love. That love has no fear. Because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his love. Romans chapter 8. And we know that God causes everything 
to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hunger or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Because have you ever questioned that? I'm going through all this. Does that mean God doesn't love me anymore? Come on, how many times have you felt that in your feelings? If God loves me so much, how could I be going through this? Does it mean when you go through hard things, does that mean he doesn't love you anymore? No, no, no. As the scriptures say, for your sake we're killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things. Despite what? Despite going through hard stuff. overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life. That's why I'm not afraid of death. He loves me now and he's going to love me then. Neither angels nor demons. You're not afraid of demons? Not a bit. Neither fears for today nor worries about tomorrow. Huh. Your fears today and your worries about tomorrow. Guess what? In the midst of all that, he still loves you, and he's causing everything. If you love him, if you're after him, all your fears and, he, listen, even angels and demons and life and death and hard circumstances, somehow this amazing God, he's orchestrating it all to somehow be good for you. Good Lord. He's so amazing. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above nor in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. As we get ready to close, this is the last thing in your bulletin. If I am a Jesus follower, I can live free from the fear of the unknown because there are two things that I do know for sure. There are many unknowns in this life. There are many unknowns in this life that can make me live afraid. But I'm not afraid, even though I have motives to fear, reasons to fear, even though there are so many unknown variables coming my way, I'm not afraid because there are two variables that I know for sure, for sure. And these two things that I do know help me be free from all the unknown stuff. And that's this. Number one, I know for sure the Father loves me perfectly. He loves me perfectly and nobody and nothing can take that away from me. Even all the unknown stuff, even all the shaking, even the hard things that are going to come my way, even the loss and the grief, and the death we must all face, even sickness, even lack. All the unknowns, when things are going to happen and how things are going to happen, everything that shakes. I know, I know, and you've got to know it. If you don't know it, you're going to live a life full of fear. You've got to know for sure, for sure that there is a Father in the heavens. He created you and He came and died for you through Jesus Christ on the cross. 
He doesn't just say He loves you. He's proven that He loves you. And He loves you now. And He's always loved you. And He's going to love you for all eternity. He loved you before you ever even thought about loving Him. Even when you rejected Him, He loved you. And if you were in His love, nobody can take His love away from you. If you are not in His love, get in His love today. Receive His love today. What a better day than Father's Day. To know the love of the Father. Oh God, I know many of you in this room. You've been through tough stuff. And there's... You wouldn't even be making it today if you didn't know there's a God who loves me and he's my Abba and nobody can take me away from him and nobody can take him away from me. I know he loves me, so it doesn't matter what I don't know. His love for me trumps all of the stuff that I don't know. Number two, and this one makes me want to shout and scream and run around the room. What we just read from Romans... And what you can read from cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation, especially Revelation, is that, listen, I know that this sounds cliche, but if you can grab a hold of this in your soul, you can live a life free from fear. And that is this. This is a reality. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, no matter what happens, because things are going to happen, no matter what happens, in the end, I win. In the end, I win. In the end, you win. Some of you will have easier lives than others. Some of you will have harder lives than others. Some of you will face this. Others will face that. It doesn't matter what happens. In the end, you are the winner if you're in Christ. You can stand to your feet. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.